0: Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. ala Karim. Amma ba. Alhamdulillah. Tonight is the seventh of July in the year two thousand and twenty-three, and Alhamdulillah, we moved on to the seventy-fourth night that we're going through the illustrious and blessed life of the eminent companion, Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud. And we're taking a glimpse into some of the endless blessed words of wisdom of this most noble man. And yesterday, predominantly, I was highlighting that there's a danger in one's wives, children, and wealth, either fitnah, and what that entailed. But this does not in any way mean that one should not get married. So on the subject of marriage, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, he stressed, الله, even if I knew that I would not live in this world for more than 10 I days, I would still like to have a wife through marriage. This is in Ibn Abi in it is Al Musannaf 3-453 with a Sahih chain of transmission. So this is, again, why it's important to take the full reports. If I just mentioned the reports yesterday, you're thinking, I'm never going to get married. Fitna with regards to wives, children, the response is, no, it doesn't mean that. It means just be you know, be aware of the fitna which they entail. So here, imagine, he goes, 10, and what does 10 mean? So most scholars say he was referring to 10 days, but it could mean 10 hours. So imagine if the doctor says, i got some terrible news you got 10 days, max. And you say, thank you, doctor. And then you start making arrangements for marriage. You think, what the heck is happening here? He said, I don't want to meet my Lord single. I want to meet him as a married person. So Ibn masud was highlighting something very important here. He was important. He was highlighting that it's not just about children and companionship. It's meeting your Lord with this priceless sunnah. So think about that. This is a sahih report from the great Ibn Mas'ud. Thus this most exalted man, الله, did not want to meet the almighty and glorious subhanahu wa ta'ala without being married. Indeed, this should not come as any surprise. Because what did our beloved messenger say? Sallallahu <laughs> wa and I, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, I marry women. Whoever turns away from my sunnah is not from me. This is in Sahih Bukhari 3 354. So think about that. If it was an act of piety not to get married, you honestly believe that you are better than the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa The Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa said, I marry women. And then he clearly said, Whoever turns away from my example, he's not from me. So it's not an act of piety not to get married. Mm. With regards to the sad but most frequent situation in today's day and age where a man and woman live a life of sin but then usually due to pregnancy then want to get married. Mm. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud had at first when asked the question he merely recited the following verse. In Surah Al Araf, Surah seven, verse one five three, the translation of the beloved nation religion. But those who committed evil deeds and then repented afterwards and believed, then verily your Lord, Subhanahu wa Taala, after that is indeed of forgiving the most merciful. He recited this ten times, neither at first allowing or disallowing it. <clears throat> This is in Ibn Abi Hatim, al-Dur' al-Mantur, Ibn Kathir Stafseed, volume 4, page 169 of the English translation. So let's look at this. So again, it's a common situation, Now, sadly, but you get many, the Muslims, so obviously they're in a state of sin, but they're they're living in sin with 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 a woman. And then what happens? The woman gets pregnant, usually. And then all of a sudden, they're thinking, now we need to get married. So the question to pose is, can they get married? Because this is, obviously, the intention is now corrupt. Yeah. The only reason you want to get married is because, you know, the other halves got pregnant. Mm-hmm. So, look how interesting. The great Ibn of Osul was asked this question. And he simply recited this verse. And look at the verse. What, what's this going to do with that question? Those who commit evil deeds and repent and believe, your Lord after that is forgiving and most merciful. Mm-hmm. He recited this ten times. Imagine, so somebody asked him, can we get married? He recited this verse ten times, neither allowing nor disallowing it, as if to say, don't ask me. If you want to get married, get married. But I'm not going to give you the green light to get married. If you don't want to get married, don't get married. Just recited that verse. But this was what he first would say. Later he allowed it. In Ibn Jarir and Ibn Kathir's Tafsir, volume 8, page 589 of the English translation, Hammam ibn al Hadith had said, Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, he was asked about a man who commits immoral sins with a woman and then marries her. He said, There is nothing wrong with this. He then recited the following verse in Surah Ashura, Surah 42, verse 25. Although we'll have in Shaddan and he, it is who accepts repentance from his servants. So let's look at this. So now, what, the same question. He's now said there's nothing wrong with it. So he's allowed it. And he recites another passage. And what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? It is he who accepts repentance from his servants. So this is an authentic report Ibn Jarir Ibn Kathir's Tafsir. So what he was highlighting was that your marriage is your toba. Mm. Have you understood? Mm. Right. So you were in sin, you were living in sin. Woman, your you know your wife to be got pregnant for whatever better word. The fact that you are getting married, that is your toba. This is the understanding that Ibn Masud settled with. Radiallam. So now, why was he first hesitant? So just looking at this very briefly. Shaykh Maududi elucidated in his Tafsir, volume 8, page 85 to 6 of the English translation, Quote: The policy followed by Abu Bakr and Umar was that whenever they found an unmarried couple guilty of fornication, they would first award them the prescribed punishment of stripes, i.e., a hundred stripes mentioned in the Quran. Surah Nur, Surah 24, verse 2. And then would bind them in wedlock. So <laughs> stop the report. So what is she? Modu Dilahmatullah He goes, if a man and woman playing, you know, the game as they say, they would come forward. They would get a hundred stripes. Why? Because in Surah Nur, Surah 24, verse two, it says that the unmarried couple are given a hundred stripes. After that, the Sheikhs would bind them in wedlock. Then Shaykh Maududi al said, Abdullah ibn Umar he said, once a man in a troubled state of mind came to Sayyidina Abu Bakr and he wanted to say something but he was not able to speak clearly. Abu Bakr then requested Umar to take him to one side and find out what he had to say. So what's happened? A man, maybe he's, he's embarrassed, he can't say with men in front of Abu Bakr Allah. so Abu Bakr very intelligently tells Umar take him to the site and see what the problem is mm. on inquiry the man stated a person who had visited him as a guest was found involved in fornication with his daughter upon this Umar Allah, who said Woe to you why did you not keep the secret of your daughter hidden mm. Consequently, the man and woman were tried, awarded the prescribed punishment, bound in wedlock, and then exiled away from the city for one year. (laughs) A few other incidents of a similar nature has been related by Qadi Abu Bakr ibn al-Arabi in his Ahqam al-Qur'an, volume two, page 86. So the two sheikhs, Abu Bakr and Umar, this was their policy first apply the prescribed punishment a 100 stripes, they're not married. Then bind them in wedlock, get married now, as part of your repentance. And then, look how interesting, according to this report, they were exiled from the city for the year. This is because of the sunnah of the Prophet so Some interpreted that to mean that they need to be away from that society for the year. So Imam Abu Hanifa, I believe, he interprets that to mean that even if they imprisoned, they're away from society. So the message goes across, don't do this. So, <laughs> you so for instance, in this locality, let's say, hypothetically, it's the Islamic State. And then you say, What's happened to the couple? And then say, Oh, they're, they're in prison, they they got married. So straight away, what message have you got in this locality? Don't even don't even think about it. So that's the wisdom behind this. So note Ibn Mas'ud, he came around to this, Allah. Those note that if the couple had repented for their sin, then they could have married without anyone being the wiser so they don't need to go to the authorities you understand so if in, so for instance god forbid man and woman's you know committing fornication and they realize they see the light woman gets pregnant because look let's both do toba and we'll get married fine that's also fine but if they are people of taqwa which is hard to find now they're not going to be happy with that they're going to go to the authorities but obviously where's the authorities now but in the islamic state a hundred stripes is given and then of course maybe in exile as well and then they obviously are married so no this is the situation now So, in today's day and age what would you say to a couple like this get married and keep it quiet don't start spreading this with regards to the divorce, the following most informative report has also reached us. This is in Imam Muhammad in his Mubatta, number 606. So this is the chain. Imam Abu Hanifa he relates from his teacher Hamad who relates from his teacher Ibrahim al-Nakhai a man once divorced his wife with one divorce in which he retained the right to take her back. And then he left her until the bleeding ceased from her third menstrual cycle and she had entered the place where she performed ghusl and had water close to her. Then he suddenly came to her and said, I, before she had bathed, I take you back in marriage. Mm. So what's happening? The prescribed way of divorce is that you utter one talak after the woman has had her menstrual cycle And she's bathed. She's in a state of purity. Then you utter it. Mm. Then you wait until she has a next menstrual cycle. She goes to the period of, you know, the cycle. She has another bath. She's pure. Then you utter the second divorce. Mm. So why is this prescribed in the Sharia? Because you might be angry. So Allah is making Mm. sure that you don't do anything silly. You You are making the correct decision here. So what this man did was, Was this a game he was playing? When she was on her third menstrual cycle and she had entered the place to do ghusl meaning the water was there he suddenly goes I take you back which you are allowed to do She thereupon asked Umar ibn al-Khattab about this whilst Abdullah ibn Masood was with him Mm. Sayyidina Umar said Oh Abdullah what's your view about this? So Ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu answered, O Amir al-Mu'mini radiyallahu, I think that he still has the right to take her back just as long as she has not performed ghusl from her third menstrual cycle. So Ibn Mas'ud said, I think he can still take her back. But... If she performs the ghusl from the third menstrual cycle, it's over. Mm-hmm. Umar, smiled and said, I also think this. Thereupon Umar said to Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, you are indeed a satchel full of knowledge. Meaning I knew the answer, but you're right, radiallahu. So Imam Muhammad, alayhi, he went on to relate, number 607, number 608. This was also the verdict of Ali ibn Abu Talib and 13 other companions. So Imam Muhammad, he mentioned, we adhere to this. It is the verdict of Abu Hanifa and our Fuqaha in general. So this is the verdict clearly of the Hanafi school. The reason the woman had approached, so, question why was the woman coming forward if the matter was that clear? The reason the woman had approached for clarification is that the Quran, Allah the Almighty and Glorious says in Surah Al Baqarah, Surah 2, verse 228 of the Bilayiman Shaitan regime Divorced women shall wait concerning themselves for three menstrual cycles. So what does the Quran say? Yes. Divorced women, shall wait concerning themselves for three menstrual cycles. Had the woman had her three menstrual cycles? Yes. The Quran is not clear. Those, if this verse is taken literally, it would mean she had been divorced from her husband. For her three monthly cycles had not only taken place, they had ended. However, as Abdullah ibn Masood clarified Love, the divorce only takes place after she has bathed from her three monthly uh, menstrual cycles. Mm. She has to have bathed. So he was explaining the Quran. So now again this is the problem. You know, people think that the Quran the Quran is clear. If you've got knowledge of the Quran. Mm. If you say, "Okay, brother, the Quran's clear," yes, you are right. Surah Two, verse two hundred twenty-eight. Because what does it say? Divorce: Women shall wait concerning themselves for three menstrual cycles. What does that mean? And he goes, "Well, when she's had her three menstrual cycles; the divorce takes place." Is that your fatwa? And he goes, "What well, Quran says? It is that correct?" No. Ibn Masud says she needs to have her bath. That is complete. And Umar testified to that, Ali testified to that, 13 Sahaba testified to that. So, note Ibn Masood, <coughs> he had this deep knowledge of the Quran. So, moving on to another question What to do with wealth which belongs to others but comes into your possession? So sometimes you find something. Can you take it? Is it your possession? What am I supposed to do with it? In Tabarani in Iskabir, 4-469, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, radiyallahu, he bought a slave girl and then could not find her owner in order to pay him for her. So he's bought a... So what does it mean, slave girl? So I'm going to keep saying this. Slaved is a polluted word now. It means that you're in shackles, you're in chain, you're wearing a loincloth. That's not Islamic slave. An Islamic slave. How did they come about? They come about through a campaign. And foolishly, women have come onto the battlefield. So whose fault is it? It's the unbelievers. Mm. Why did you bring women onto the battlefield? So this is the first thing to point out. Yeah. We don't go around raiding, taking women and stuff with So now they're prisoners of war. What? What's to be done with them? So there's a due process. They eventually are given by the authorities to a particular person. So here Abdullah Ibn Mas'ud, he bought a slave girl. So he actually bought it from another person. But he could not find the owner to pay him for for the slave girl. He searched for the man a great deal. He couldn't find him. Thus, eventually, Ibn Mas'ud who gave the price away in sadaqah and he said O Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala this is for him if he pleases otherwise I claim the reward for myself. So let's look at it. So this is in Tabarani in Kabir 4-469 Look at the precise wording of Ibn Mas'ud So obviously where was that man? It was the blessed, generous, and most beautiful habit of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud الله, during his term of authority in Kufa to buy slaves and set them free. This is what he was doing. So was he, you know, he felt pretty for this. So in his great kindness, he would, with his own wealth, buy them, set them free. It appears that the owner of this slave girl had probably died during one of the campaigns at the time. Because where is he? Abdullah ibn Mas'ud thus gave the amount in sadaqah on behalf of the owner. However, only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows if the owner would have freed her for the pleasure of Allah. Thus, in that case, he claimed the reward for himself. Okay, his, you know, his precise wording would that man have done have done this This response is we don't know so he said the reward is for him ya Allah I bought the slave the money is his I give it in his name the reward is his otherwise if he wouldn't give it I claim the reward myself so what does that tell you he's teaching you what to do I with property mm. that falls in your possession. Mm. You say, Ya Allah, give it in that person's name. Mm. i give it in his name. But if he wasn't going to do it, I take the reward myself. Mm. So who you following there? Uh, Ibn Mas'ud. Who's that? Then you got a problem in it. Subhanallah. Mm. So all I mentioned again today was the endless words of wisdom of the great Ibn Mas'ud where I mentioned that it's so important to highlight he wanted people to get married. He explicitly said, If even if I had 10, I would get married. I would not want to meet my Lord without being married. Then he answered the sadly only two common question now if a man and a woman are living in sin and then they repent, can they get married? And he said, Yes. <laughs> At first, he, he didn't give the ruling, but then later he did. And then I mentioned what is the situation with regards to divorce if three menstrual cycles take place and what is to be done with wealth which falls. Into your possession, which doesn't belong to you. Are there any questions? So, you